This is part two of a two-part series called, Who is the Greatest? Don't you want to know who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Don't you want to know what is the criteria, what's the measurements, what is God looking for for us to be great in the kingdom? Or you just want to be just like, oh, I just want to be in the back row of heaven. I don't want to, you know, try to get, you know, close to God. I just, just want to get in, you know, yeah. just get in. <laughs> I want to get in and go to the front, okay? So who is the greatest? Let's look at this guy right here. Who is that guy? Muhammad Ali. I am the greatest. <laughs> he declared that. He said he, he wanted, he said he said it before he was it. He said, I want to be the greatest. I'm going to strive for that. And do you know what he said to this guy, Sonny, listening on the floor? You know what he told him? I was reading about it last night. He said, get up, sucker, <laughs> and fight. <laughs> it was the first round, and he knocked him out, and he said, get up. <laughs> and we have to tell the devil, come on, devil, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> You don't really have to fight him because the battle's already over. Isn't that right? right? Amen. We won. We're declared the winners. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we want to pick this up on how to be the greatest. We want to know the criteria. And so what happened? I'm going to tell the story. We better go to the next slide so we don't have to look at Muhammad too long. <laughs> I used to like Muhammad Ali. Did you know that? I used to love to watch him fight. You know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Yeah, rumble. Young man, rumble. And... I, I was dating this girl, and across the street was a, a boxing uh, promoter and coach, manager, and he was a boxer, and he was managing Mondo Ramos, who was then the lightweight heavyweight championship, champion of the world. And I was doing like Muhammad, you know, I, you know, I could take you, I could whip you, you know, I could move, I could just stick and jab and all that. And he just listened to me like, what are you talking about, son? I was 21 and he was 50. And he was thin like me, you know, and I thought, no way, I could take him easy. And so he went into his bedroom and got two gloves and came out and he goes, if you can last three rounds with me, I'll make a fighter out of you. I go, okay, come on, Jack, let's do it. I went out there, and I didn't know what happened. I'm on the ground. I didn't see the punch. I didn't know what happened. I'm just looking at grass. I go, what happened? He goes, I hit you. Oh, okay. Well, let's try that again. Same thing. Boom, I'm on the ground. I go, man, this is crazy. How did he do that so fast I didn't even see it? It's like getting a brain concussion, you know, amnesia. And so I said, you know what? Okay, I believe you. Let's just call it quits. He goes, no, no, no. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'll let you get a couple in. I go, okay, all right. So I got a couple in and then moving and everything. And all of a sudden, I hit him the wrong way and something happened. Something turned on him and his eyes turned like fire. And he started wailing on me. Boom, boom, boom. And I got caught in his, in his rose bush here. And I said, Jack, excuse me. I went, he didn't care. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. So I pulled away. He hits me. I go into this fence that goes like this, you know, his fence. <laughs> and I go, are, are you crazy or what? And I said, let's call, that, that's enough, let's, let's, okay, let's go inside and talk about this. So we went and we sat on the, on the couch and he's talking and all I see is the room running around like this. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know that was a concussion, but that's what it was. But um, anyway, I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> Who is the greatest? These disciples... Jesus said, with great desire, I have desired to eat with you, to sup with you this last supper. 
And so he was saying, this is the bread which represents my body that's going to be given to you. This is the blood which represents, or this cup that represents the blood that's going to be shed for you. And he said, but woe unto the person that betrays me and puts me in the hands of those that are going to crucify me. And he said, the person that is going to do that is at the table right now. And they looked at each other like, well, who could that be? Who possibly could that be? Could it be Peter? Because Peter's always saying crazy things. You never know. He could be him. What about Andrew? He always looks kind of funny. You know, you never know what he's up to. James and John, the sons of thunder, that's who it is because they were saying they're going to rain fire on the people because they didn't give them the place in the inn. That's who it is. Well, no, I don't think that's because, you know, James, John, uh, John is the beloved. Couldn't be him. Maybe Judas. Think it's, no, Jesus trusted Judas with the treasury, with the money. Couldn't be him. They couldn't figure it out. So then, all of a sudden, they turn from out who it is to now who is the greatest. They want to know who is the greatest. And there was a what? A dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the great. A dispute. The holy apostles, the, the, the great men of God that Jesus had called, are in a fight over who's the greatest when Jesus is pouring his heart out about, I'm going to go to the cross. Now, I know none of you get in disputes or arguments or fights with fellow Christians here. Never. Never. That, that is not on your resume, right? <laughs> But they worked it out, didn't they? They seemed how to... And can you imagine how the dialogue must have gone? And these are fishermen. These guys are not like your gentleman's English type people. They're not, you know, polite, you know, like... <laughs> it, it was more like Peter standing up and said, Well, boys, you know, uh, Jesus did say that upon my rock of revelation, I will build my church, you know. <laughs> and the other person said, Well, yeah, but didn't he also say that get behind me Satan to you also? Didn't he also say that? And then John might have said, well, you know, I am the beloved. Let's just call it like it is, okay? I'm the one that Jesus loves, you know? And Peter said, well, wait a minute. Let's just put this to rest. Has any of you walked on water? Anybody here? Have you walked on water yet? No? No one's walked on water? And then someone said, well, it was only a couple of feet. You know, it doesn't really count. Oh, have you tried to walk? And there's a dispute that's going on, and people are arguing, people are fighting over nothing, do you have fights with people that they're over nothing? The Bible says, follow after what? Peace. As much as life in you, live peaceably. What does that mean? That means sometimes you have to say you're sorry. Sometimes you have to say it's okay, you know, uh, a misunderstanding, that's all right. You don't have to go through the whole thing. But everybody is so defensive and so resistant to the fact that maybe they did something wrong. And what's the famous thing they always say? I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know why she's so upset. How about changing it this way? What can I do to make it right? Don't worry about what happened. The devil is in all our conversations and trying to twist things around and get people to hate each other and be upset at each other. No, we have to be able to say, you know, what can I do to make peace? I told the story uh, a couple weeks ago where Marianne and a lady at work she, uh, you know, misunderstanding, and all of a sudden there's a, a, a breach in the spirit. You're not talking friendly anymore. All of a sudden, you know, you don't know what the other person's thinking. You ever been there? Yeah. And, and it, it just the silence is like you can feel it. It's deafening. And so finally my wife said, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to give this person a gift. I'm going to break this, this breach here, and I'm going to bring God into it. And so she gave her a gift, and the woman just you know, broke, just said, that's the greatest thing you ever did. I just so wonderful. Oh, you're so sweet. You're so kind. 
Why? Because the Bible says a gift in secret pacifies anger. If, you, if someone's upset at you, buy them a gift. It's hard to be mad at somebody when they buy you a gift, especially when you ask the Lord, what is it that they want? How can you be mad at them, right? So, uh, so there's a great dispute, but they got over it. Have you got over all your, your fights? Are you at peace with everybody? Do a little random check. Is there anybody that you need to buy a gift for? <laughs> you know, my wife and I, we knew that principle a long time ago. And so after a while, we said, we're going to just not get into fights because it's costing us too much money to, to, to help, you know, make peace with everybody. So, so there's a great dispute. About, and then, so Jesus says this. Next, uh, Whoever wants to be great among you must become a what? Servant. They never heard this before. Great, to be great, you must serve. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He has come to serve, not to be served. So guess what? They had to learn this. I'm going to learn you some things. You have to learn how to serve. You have to be taught it. And Jesus is going to teach him. But, you know, I was going to mention I, I had a, a hamburger lunch with Coach and his kids last week. And so... Uh, we go, to, we go and have order, and we decide to, to wash our hands. Yes, Daddy, wash our hands. <laughs> so we went into the restroom, and we're washing our hands. Coach has got the table, and we're washing our hands, me, Maximus, and Ramses. And so uh, I let them go first. It's one of those you know, universal ones. And so I let them go first, and then I'm washing my hands. And then I did the, the fawns in the mirror. You ever done the fawns to see if your hair is okay? Eh, it's all right. <laughs> So meanwhile, I thought the kids would be running out to the table ready to get their hamburgers, right? But Ramsey's the little guy, he's only like six years old, is holding the door for me. So I'm washing my hands, I go, oh, Ramsey's, thank you so much. I walk through, I go, oh, that's so thoughtful. So I asked Coach, where did he learn that? So I taught them that leave no man behind. Amen? He's learning at six years old. So you've got to learn some. So this is what the, Jesus said. So he said, I'm going to give you an example. When supper ended, he rose from the supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. He could have let Peter do that. He could have said, now, Peter, I want to, you wash their feet and I want to show them what it's like. He didn't do that, right? He could have hired somebody from the outside, come in and just, you know, just do this because we're having the last supper and these guys don't know nothing, so show them how to be a servant. No, he himself, the king of glory, almighty God, got down on his knees and washed these disciples' dirty, grungy, knuckles kind of feet, you know, with dirt in them and everything, stinky fish and all that kind of stuff. Toes going each other, what kind of ways, you know, one longer than the other. Calluses, yeah, you got it? It's enough? Okay, you can have it. How many of you out there got those kinds of feet? Let's see. <laughs> Too much information, again. <laughs> You're going to get you a little whiteboard so you can just... <laughs> but my point is here, is... Our feet pick up our travels, pick up where we've been in life. 
If we've been, you know, hurt and, and we've had situations in our lives where it was painful unto us and it leaves a mark on us and we, we're, we're kind of jaded and we kind of have bad attitudes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and so we have to love them through that, above that. We can't look at their hurts. We can't look at their pains. We have to look at how God loves them and serve them like he's serving these people. There he is right there, you know, with love. He didn't just like, okay, well, I'm going to do this, but don't really want to do it. No, he loved them. And that's next verse. So he says, and so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? Why would he even have to ask that? Because they're thick. <laughs> do you get it? Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, very well, for so I am. If then, you're, then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Is this an option? Is this a suggestion? Or is this a command? You ought. It's a command. You ought to wash one another's feet. Next, this is all review. No, go back one more. For I've given you what? An example that you should do it. Say, I should do it. Now, we're not just limited to washing feet. You know that, right? We don't do that as a custom anymore, but we wash people's cars. We, we go places, you know, and help them. You know, sometimes we drive people to the market. You ever have to drive somebody to the market? And what's our first reaction, first thought sometimes? Like, I don't want to keep doing this. You know, do, I don't want you to be dependent upon me, you know? I'm, I'm not your slave. I'm not your, what do you call it, your rug that you walk on, doormat, yeah. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't think that way. We ought to serve one another. You know, I, I had to learn that in marriage when my wife and we were upstairs, and she says, could you go down and get me a glass of water? I'm going like, <laughs> please, all the way downstairs? <laughs> then all the way upstairs? You got to be kidding me, huh? <laughs> weren't you just up? Weren't you just there? <laughs> but then I saw my, her mom would drive all the way from Oceanside to where we lived in Eagle Rock to pick up my son, to take him to go to Oceanside and spend the weekend, then come and drive him back on Sunday night, deposit him in the house, then go back home. I go, hmm. And I can't even go downstairs <laughs> to get someone a cold cup of water. That seems kind of selfish, doesn't it? I'm not really serving. See, the Bible says we're supposed to outdo one another in serving. Did you know that? Outdo. So when I come home, this is hypothetical. <laughs> Marianne could say, oh, honey, I made you your favorite dinner. <laughs> Oh, wonderful, dear. And I got those blouses out of the uh, laundry, out of the uh, cleaners that you wanted. Really? Oh, thank you. But guess what I did? I cleaned up the garage for you because you know, I know you needed some, some, some space and you needed some time and everything. Oh, well, guess what I did? I went and got those Dodger tickets that you wanted to go to with the bobblehead night so we can go see Sandy Koufax, Maury Wills, Yasiel Puig. Oh, honey, oh, you're outdoing me in love. Amen. Do one better than what they've done for you. Outdo one another in love. That's what the Bible says, right? If you want to be happy for the rest of your life. <laughs> yes. So, uh, where are we here? Okay, so 
If you know these things, he says, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. So you know what Marianne's brother did when my son was going from, from Washington, the state of Washington to St. Louis. He had to drive his car all that way. And I'm thinking to myself, man, my son, he's like me. He's going to fall asleep at the wheel. He's going to get lost. I mean, so many things can, you know, robbers and stuff could come along. And we just didn't feel safe about it. And her brother said, I'll drive with him all the way from the, the state of Washington to St. Louis. Not asked for a dime. In fact, even paid for the gas and for the hotels and most of the food. My, my son helped out a little bit, but no, nowhere proportionate to what he has done. And I said, man, that is some kind of servant. Took time off of work. And then when my son was coming back to LA, he said, I'll go again. What? I'll go again. Didn't ask for anything, but drove him all the way back home. To us. So I'm forever indebted to him. How about you when you serve someone, when God is asking you to help someone and they've been praying to him and God says, if you can just do this, I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you. You know, um, is Norma still here? Norma, Norma, Norma. Maybe you can go get Norma uh, when you can. Uh, she has this little testimony about how she's been blessing uh, the Lord in serving. But he said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Not if you know them, if you do them. Right? We know that scripture in James. Only the doer is blessed. Well, I know a lot of things about the Bible. I know what we're supposed to do, but I don't do them. <laughs> I let other people do them. <laughs> but Norma has a little testimony. I'm talking about how serving can, God can bless you in your serving. So, uh, I asked the Lord, I, I said, well, who has a good testimony? And just, just the Lord gave me your, your name, so tell us what. Well, I mean, but it can't compare to uh, your guest speaker today, obviously. Um, yeah, I've served the Lord and my family in many different ways over the years. And when my oldest daughter was born, my mother turned to me and uh, she gave me, she turned to me, she says, you know what, this daughter is going to be to you what you were to me. And then I stopped and I realized how much I had served my mother throughout her life to the end. And in 2009, which was the roughest year, you know, finances were terrible. My husband lost his job. My mother was dying from cancer. And I had to be off. The only income I had to be off for the nine months. And during this, taking my mother to radiation treatments, my car got repossessed in the middle of the night. But I had three cars at that time. They repossessed one. I said, okay, Lord, if you took that, you took it for whatever reason, and I understand that. And when pa Pastor asked me this question this morning, God reminded me of the big favor he's, he's granted me in my life. That car was gone. Credit, who cares? You know, what's important is life. And I would continue to serve God and my mom, and I paid my tithes. Whatever tithes I had that year, I paid, and I paid, even though I didn't have. That year, our light got shut off. In the middle of all this, my mom passed away. Next couple of weeks, my power went out. But then all of a sudden there was money, money to pay that bill and the light was restored. My car was gone this year and, I, and I've been serving this church for a little while now and I'm glad to do it and I have favor with my kids, my, their, their studies in every area of their life. I'm very favored in that and I know that's a blessing that God bestows on me. And this year my car's breaking down and I'm like, okay God, only you. And I was able to get a new car and the first time in my life my car is paid for fully out of the dealership. 
But I know it, it, it's not me, and it's not my works, but it's his works because I claim every day, thank you, Lord, for the favor. And let me tell you, work's been raining for my husband. He's had work out that he can't even handle at this point, but I know it's God's favor. He always returns what we try to give to him. Praise God. Tremendous. So you may say, you know, I got lack, I got things that aren't going well. Don't sit back and just take it. Get out and serve and watch God do great things in your behalf because it says, if you know these things, and you know them now because we went over it today, right? If you know these things, bless. Say blessed. blessed. You want to be blessed? Yes. What do you do? Serve. serve. You do. You do serve. And you will be blessed if you do them. Pretty simple, right? Okay, let's move on. How many of you here are in the body of, or are, are the body of Christ? How many of you are the body of Christ? Let me see your hands. Okay. You are the body of Christ? You are. You're members of the body. That's a trick question, right? You're not the body of Christ all by yourself, are you? You don't see an arm walking down the street going, hey, I'm Pastor Chuck. How you doing? You know? <laughs> Where's the rest of you? I don't know. I left them at home. <laughs> you don't see two legs hopping down the street going, you know. But look what it says here. For as the body is one and has many members, are you a member? Yes. yes. But all the members of that one body being many are one body, as so also is Christ. Let's look at the next scripture. <laughs> this is interesting. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, am I, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? What he's saying is, you know, don't be jealous of the part that you play in the body of Christ. If you're a hand, don't say, I wish I was an eye. The eye gets all the compliments. Oh, you have such beautiful eyes. How, how lovely your eyes are. I could look into your eyes forever. And then the hand would, would say, but if I, had, if I could put you know, that color in there and the eyelashes and the eye makeup and everything, I would look as pretty as you. And the eye says, well, I wish I was the hand because everybody's putting rings on you and holding your hand while you walk by the seashore. All these things. Guys love to hold your hand. Nobody wants to hold my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has a part to play, right? Let's look at this right here. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. You know, he set you in this body as he pleased, not you pleased. Sometimes we look around, where am I supposed to go? Lord, and the Lord said, right over here. Okay, just park yourself right over here. <laughs> I tell the story when I was trying to find a church. I asked the Lord for a church. He sent me there. And I said, well, I'm going to look around a little bit. And he spoke very strongly. You asked me for a church. I sent you the church. What do you need to look around for? Oh, okay. I stayed there 18 years. It wasn't always pretty. It always, wasn't always pleasant. There's always things that happen. You know, they should put a sign in, 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 on the top of a church, enter in at your own risk. Because <laughs> there's people in there. Yay, even the pastor sometimes. <laughs> I try to be not the stumbling block for anybody. But, you know, that's the way, you know, when you get people together, that's what happens. So we have to be strong. And you know what? Well, let's look at this scripture right here. 
For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together. I'll just stop right there. Comely parts means your, your, your parts that you don't get excited about. Nobody gets excited about their kidney or their liver, do they? But guess what? If you didn't have your kidney or your liver, guess what? You, you wouldn't be around. You can lose an eye, but you can't lose a kidney. So these parts that we don't see, the people that set up in the morning, you don't see them. You just come in and, oh, the chairs are here. That's great. Sound is working. That's great. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> but it takes something to get that to happen. So let's look at this next scripture. Clicker. Okay. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28. You ready for the, the meat of the story here? Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Hallelujah. You guys like apostles? Oh, mighty men of God. Amen. I don't see too many hands, but yeah, there you go. The Bible says God has put these in the church. God has put apostles, true apostles anyway, people that start churches, people that oversight, people that have a vision. Then secondarily, prophets. Not everybody likes prophets, right? Oh, I need to get a word. <laughs> I'll drive an hour just to hear what thus saith the Lord. Oh, bless the prophets. We love the prophets, right? Third, teachers. Oh, somebody that can break the word of God open like Terry McFadden did last week. Oh, wonderful. I love it. Oh, I feel so good. Teachers. We love the teachers. But guess what? After that, miracles. How many need a miracle? Uh, we like miracles. Uh, you're going to go to the miracle service tonight? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the miracle service. Praise God. Then they have gifts of healings. Hallelujah. All right. Boy, this is a great church. So they got apostles. They got prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healings. Hallelujah. Let's look at the next word. What does the next word say? Helps. Helps. How did that get in there? <laughs> Helps. Wait a minute. In that same grouping, that same category of apostles and prophets and teachers, we got helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. Yes, let's get back to the spiritual. We like the tongues. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. But what happened? Helps. How did that get in that group in a ministry? Because it's a ministry, just like apostles and prophets and teachers, to help. You can, because you know what? When you don't have the smaller part working, these bigger parts are not going to work. Did you know that? Minister friend of mine, Buddy Bell, tells a story when he was a kid. He lived on a farm. And uh, he loved to drive Grandpa's truck all around the, the yard, you know, all, all along the farm. And uh, he, so he told him, uh, okay, buddy, we're going to drive the truck today after you get back from school. So he wasn't thinking about nothing at school. He said, I just want to get home. <laughs> Shift them gears. Pump that clutch. I want to drive the truck. And so he went through math class and science class. He didn't think anything about it. I want to get home. <laughs> Shift them gears. Pump that clutch. I want to see what's, you know, what it's like to drive the truck. So he gets home, and guess what? He goes where the truck is, and the hood's up. And he said, Grandpa, what are you doing? He said, well, the carburetor wasn't working, so we had to pull it apart and put it out on the, the workbench here. I'm cleaning it. I'm going to put it back together. He said, well, let's get to it. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Because I want to pump them gears, uh, uh, shift them gears, pump that clutch. So, he, so Grandpa said, okay. So he starts putting together. There's the big parts and the small parts. And so he started putting the big parts and the smaller parts. He took time to look and see how they went and where they should go. And, he, and Buddy Bell said, uh, uh, Grandpa, just put the big parts in. We don't need the little parts. It'll run. 
He said, no, it won't run the same way if you don't have the little parts. He said, oh, Grandpa, I don't have time. We have to run, do the truck now. He said, okay, I'll teach you a lesson. I'll just put the big parts in, and we'll leave the little parts out. So he puts the big parts in. He starts the truck, and it goes for about a few feet, and then conks out. Then he does it again, and it goes a little bit, and conks out. Why? Not all the parts are in working. Just like churches, when you want to get big, you, you just don't use the big parts. You need the little parts to make things to work. In the church, you need people that can, you know, be the minister of helps, ministry of helps. It's a ministry. The same anointing of God, the same gracing is to put the chairs and to usher as it is to hear from God. That's where it starts. Like Stephen, he was ushering at the table and the Bible says great power came upon him because you're faithful in doing what God has called you to do. But guess what? We have to grow up, church. We, we, are, we, we are the sheep of his pasture, but you don't stay sheep. You become a soldier in the Lord. Amen? Amen. What, what do sheep do? You pet them. You, you, you lead them and guide them beside what? Still waters. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't give me any trouble, waters. <laughs> don't let anything go wrong at the church. Oh, don't let, you know, don't let anything happen. But a soldier, what does he do? He swims across treacherous rivers. We have to be soldiers in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. And then you get to church and somebody's sitting in your seat and you go like, oh, what is he doing in my seat? Oh, my God. <laughs> and the usher, he, he didn't, he just shooed me on. They're talking bad about me. <laughs> no, grow up, soldier. Right? <laughs> Endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. We have to be strong in the Lord. Amen? We can't let those little, you know, disappointments hurt us and and keep us from what God has called us to be. We're a soldier in the army of the Lord. You know, these boys that go off into the service, they look all wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. I'm going to go in the army. Yeah, I'm going to just be at Fort something. You know, I'm excited about it. And then they come back and they're, you know, all of a sudden there's a resolute in their, in their eyes. You know, they're not messing around because they prepared him for the battle. Do you know we're in the battle? You know, there's casualties here. God wants us to be fighting and good soldiers. So we have to be strong and resolute because there's three levels in Christ. There's the babes in Christ. There's the children of the Lord. And then there's sons of the Most High. When you're a baby, what do you do? Wah, cry. You know, you have to be catered to. Uh, covered, you know, uh, looked after. But when you're a children, child, you gain, you gain responsibility. You do things. They give you assignments. Your parents tell you to do things, and they see how you do. They see what kind of decisions you make. You go to school. You come back. Whose friends uh, do you become, right? Respond. Then when you become a son, then you take, you know what the parent has taught you, and now you incorporate it into your life, and you take control. You take destiny of your life and, and the things that you do. So we have to grow up, not be sheep, uh, uh, but be soldiers, not be babes or children any longer, but sons of the Most High. And here's the definition of the ministry of helps. And this is, this is a guy named Godbe, and, and he makes this definition, and it says, oh, but it's not just a oh, it's not just a oh. <laughs> the ministry of helps. Oh, <laughs> say it with me. Oh, the infinite value of the humble gospel helpers. How grand it is when ministry moves along, when red hot platoons of fire baptized helpers gather around to do the work of the ministry that God has graced them to do. 
And that sounds, that's a pretty good uh, definition uh, of someone that teaches children, isn't it? Can you say it again? Oh! Don't look at me like that, okay? <laughs> you got to be excited about what you do for the Lord. Amen? You know, they asked somebody at the Ford Motor Company when they were on the assembly line. They say, what do you do? Oh, I put the tires on. And what do you do? Oh, I put the hubcaps on. You know what they're supposed to say? I'm making a car for a Ford Motor Company, right? So if you're doing something in the ministry, it's just a part of what God has called you to do for the whole picture. Oh, the infinite value. Amen? I don't, let's see how much time I have here. Because I want to do something with you all. Right on the 12 o'clock. Okay. Now there's benefits to serving. Did you know that? Let's just look at that real quick. The benefits are, next slide is, you're doing the will of God. Galatians 5.13. God rewards you according to your deeds. Did you know that? You know, God watches our life and sees what we're doing. Do you know that? And when you get to heaven, you're going to be rewarded according to your deeds. Yea, not only when you get to heaven, but even here down on earth. You are being used of God to answer prayers of people that have been praying to God. God helps you in your need. When you have a need, God says, where were you when I needed you? Why callest me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You develop in your spiritual growth when you serve. So what we want to do right now and say, maybe the Lord is tugging on your heart, saying, you know what? I'm not serving enough. I'm not doing enough in the kingdom of God. Maybe I need to, you know, get off of where I'm at and allow the Lord to use me. Sometimes we say, oh, Lord, use me. Lord, Lord, whatever you want, just use me, Lord. But then they say, me? Teach children? <laughs> me, usher? I don't think so. Me, set up the chairs? I don't think so, Lord. You know, I want the big stage. I want to be you know, widely and profoundly used of God. And that's what I said when they asked me to do children's church when I was a young 30-year-old. And I said, don't you know my call on my life? What's wrong with you? You're going to send me down to the children's church to, to rot there? <laughs> For yay, maybe another 30 years? God's never going to find me down there. But guess what he did? He said, if you be faithful in doing the little church's money, I'll put you in charge of the big church's money. And a month later, the pastor called me up. He said, you know, the Lord spoke to us and wants you to be in charge of the finances at the church. Said, yes, that's what he said. God will find you because he's looking for you in the place that he wants you to be. And if you're not doing what God has called you to do, what he's tug tugging on your heart to do, you're being disobedient. You're not fulfilling your plan in your life and you're not helping the church with the many parts that are needed to fulfill what God has called us to be. So let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for your, your goodness to your people. I thank you, Lord God, that we want to return back all the good things that you've done for us. And Father, we want to catch up and be servants of the Most High. Do those things that you've called us to do. You said, have you known what I did? I, being the teacher and master, serve you. Now you ought to go and do those things. And blessed are those that do these things. So Father, I just thank you that you talk to your people. Allow them, Father God, to hear from you, hear your voice, and see what you would have them to do so that you may be glorified and their lives would be enriched. And so for this, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.